we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. How are you, Nesbit son? Doing, doing good. <laughs> <laughs> Senjitsu continues. That's right. So we're going on to uh, track three. Oh, yeah. Senjitsu. So. Digging into it. At this yeah. rate, we should be done in under 106 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We get to talking about Maiden, man. And that's I know. Time flies. Yeah. So we did Senjutsu, yes. which uh, we kind of got into and talked about. We talked about the cover art and stuff. Then we did Stratego. Uh, I worried that I went a little overboard with the compilations, with my Gallup compilation and my Yannick compilation and my, you know, Yannick play-along compilation. <laughs> yeah. But people seem to like it, so... Yeah, give give the people what they want, Nesbitt. I think, <laughs> I, hey, could you guys, we just got some feedback, uh, just came in, Nesbitt. Uh, could you guys quit it with the clips? Yeah, enough with the no, uh, playing Iron Maiden. No more clips, no more clips, no more jokes, no more hot takes. If you could just read what's just on the back of the, the album. Straight to the beer and then. Uh... <laughs> yeah, monos- actually, <laughs> beer's out as well. Beer's out as well. Actually, speaking of which. Speaking of beer. Yes, alcohol beer. we have the Liquid Sunshine from Boomstick mm. Brewery. Which is another. Oh, nice. Another local brewery, a New England IPA. I got to be yeah. honest, when when you know I picked this one up, it's kind of got all these rainbowy colors and stuff. I was thinking this is going to be like nine percent. You know those ones where it's yeah. like, you know, it's like, uh oh, is this peyote in a can? And then, uh, but then <laughs> well, I looked the at the back. Liquid sunshine here today. sounds like a name of an LSD. <laughs> it does. It does, and it kind of has a you know Lucy and this guy with diamonds kind of feel on it. But oh, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's funny. I said it's a local brewery, but it's from Cornerbrook, which I consider that local, even though it's like a 10-hour drive from here. <laughs> it's yeah. our province. It's our province, where my brother lives. So it's uh, not far. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right. Thirsty today, too. So Me, too. I've been waiting for this one. Yeah. I don't know if we like Iron Maiden or if we just have a drinking problem. <laughs> Do you ever wonder that? You're like, I come home, my wife's like, what were you up to? I'm like, I was recording. Yeah, I have to record. That's <laughs> I what I was doing. recorded six episodes. <laughs> yeah, I recorded six episodes. <laughs> a half dozen. A half dozen episodes. That's mm. pretty good. Oh, that's interesting. That's different. More like a session IPA, but it's like sweet. That's pretty good. So you can go to talkingmaiden.com slash beer or slash beers, both either yes. or, and get a list of all the beers we drank on the podcast. That's something I completely mm. forget about. You know what we never yeah. ever do is ask people to review us on iTunes or Spotify. Or yes, people should do that. We never ever ask people to do that. We have like, I know. I looked online, we have like 223 reviews for a podcast. I know, I know. Um. So yeah, we went through the first two tracks on Sinjutsu. Yes. Um. And then I was like, a year ago when the single of Writing on the Wall came out, we did a full episode on Writing on the Wall. So then I was like, should we cover Writing on the Wall again as we go through this album? And I think we should just kind of briefly get into it and see how we feel about it since like a year ago when we did that full episode. And we've seen it live. Two things have changed. We've seen it live. Yep. And we've seen the context of the album That's true. before. Remember, I, I, you know, I haven't listened back to the to the episode when we talked about it. Yeah, I didn't yet, either. Recently, I probably should have. Uh, and it, no, intentionally, <laughs> I didn't want to. But one of the big things that we got 
from listeners at the time was it was kind of table stakes. It wasn't risky made and it felt more of the same, you know, See, and, and I think we're not overwhelmed because yeah. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people saying this didn't sound like Iron Maiden because it's kind of more of a, I don't know, you know, it's got that kind of like folky, not uh Southern rock sounding mm. kind of riff to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I admit that the first time I heard this, I was like, whoa, this is really different for me. Yeah. But now, a year later, or over a year later, this totally sounds like Maiden to me. It doesn't seem weird oh. to me at all when I hear this. It's like, oh, this is Maiden from, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, But this was a very strange side of Maiden that we'd never seen before, which doesn't seem strange at all now after hearing it like a million times. Absolutely. And there's one thing that's unique with this song for me with all of Maiden. And it takes me back to the 90s. And it's not, not in the way that the song is structured, but the fact that I saw the video, like, right away. So it was like, I saw the video before the album, and I watched the... So I still associate in my mind this song with that video. And I, I have, like, you know, I haven't even... Some of the the videos, I've barely even seen if I've, if I've gone through them once or twice for the pod. Yeah. Well, that's but most I mean, of the Maiden videos are not... They're, they're no good. But, but that one is really excellent. Good, yeah. And it reinforces in my mind both that, like, first off, I love the video. We've talked about that and we did it last time. I love that yep. DJ scene. I love all the, the commentary on it. And the fact that when it came out and the, the pandemic. But also it kind of has a deserty, you know, uh, kind of reinforced almost that cowboy theme kind of yeah. feel in it. And, I, and I, it just sticks with me in the song. And it's a visual element that I just don't have with any other made track. And it's because in the 80s and 90s when I was, you know, you think about Black Hole Sun. Right, you you think about like yeah, ten, all the songs from from the album ten. You think you think back to like the early Soundgarden. I mean, it almost reminds me of Bird in My Hand in a way like that gets that des- desert feel. Yeah, and feel it's it. just because of the visualization. But I don't have that with any of the main tracks. You know, every other visualization for main for me is tour related. So it's just unique, and yeah. and for that it, it's special. That's true, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. I remember the exact day that the video premiered. Like I remember sitting watching it. Yeah, watching I remember. I watched it. I watched it. Watched it again. Watched it again. Watched it again. This slow mo. Because I remember the first time we saw that Eddie yeah. was like a samurai Eddie. Yes. Like, is that the Eddie? It was the Eddie. Totally. <laughs> it was and, cool. and we and we were so dying for content. Like we were all held up I in know. our houses and just like <laughs> itching. And, and you know what? We were pumped. You know, we were pumped. Oh, so. totally. Yeah. So mm. yeah, but I was just brought that up because. I remember when I first heard it being like, this is weird for Maiden, the sound. Yeah. And now, I hear it now, it sounds like just like, as much like a Maiden as any other Maiden song to me. It's weird how like you get accustomed to the sound. So. Yeah, but I, I this song, just overall, before we dig into it a little, I it, it goes in waves for me. Like There are some times where I've heard the song where I'm just like banging out to it. And there's other times where the chorus almost sounds like it just, just doesn't jive with me at all. I don't know what it is. It's very much my mood and when I hear it and there's I've, I've literally taken this album and sometimes when I want to have a like a short listen, I literally just go right to, you know, Lost in a Lost World and I actually skip the first three tracks. And part of that was film familiarity because, you know, I know those three, they were yeah. on the tour list and in advance of the tour when we saw the, the first like in Ottawa, I listened to that set list so much in my 
that I just kind of skipped it to spend more, put more emphasis, you know, cause like I was doing stuff for like under an hour, like a run or something. And I'd be cutting it off on one of the last uh, few epics. And so I just started kind of skipping it. And then sometimes I'd listen to it and it didn't bite, but then, I mean, it's so mood based. I really can't put my finger on this song hundred percent yet. Yeah. And that's something weird that you said about this album. And I don't know if it's just cause it's so long. I yeah. don't listen to this album from beginning to end very much. I listen to the first, like I tend to listen to those three last epics mm-hmm. in a row or, you know what I mean? Or I tend to like, I do skip, sometimes I skip those first three. And I think it is because when we knew the set list for the, the legacy, this part two, we had that set list in Spotify of the, of the yeah. tour set list and yeah. listened to those three songs so much more than yeah. the other songs. But then I kind of went back and, yeah, I started, like, I almost do start a track four when I start listening to the album for a while. Yeah. You know yeah, actually, I mean? we, you know, we've, we've, we've done enough stuff on the tour. And, but, yeah, the, the, the preloading the tour set list and prepping it is a good, is a good, oh, yeah. little and getting used to the track. flow. But, yeah, so this has been on that, on that list. And, yeah, so it's kind of changed my perspective on it. It does feel, it feels, in place in the album but yeah i kind of see this as like a breaking track and and you know the first three i'm so i was so familiar with and i've just started to skip so that's not a criticism it's just the reality of when it came out and it came out so much so long it seemed like it seemed so long before the album at least that was my perception yeah yeah well i guess you're waiting for the album and it's it seems like forever when you're waiting for a new maiden album to drop yeah i mean it came out and we did a whole album we did a whole uh uh, episode on it and yeah analyzed it listen and listen before the album even came out so it's kind of special that way yeah it is we haven't done that mm. it was like this was the first new maiden that came out when we started the podcast we started our That's podcast true. and this was the first time that we had a new maiden song to talk about mm. which after we've had the podcast for over five years now so it's kind of weird that in those five years but i mean you know it's right after book of souls that we started the podcast so wow yeah what do you think? Do you think that this song is the best of the three that they played live so far in that first legacy set list? Because I think it is. I think it's the highlight, even over Stratego, which I love. Okay. So I would say no. I like Stratego more. Um, I, I thought it was fantastic live. I thought the solos in this were awesome live. Oh, yeah. You know, um, it, the way they managed the stage presence and everything yeah. well, the solos... was amazing. I agree that the yeah. solos live were like even better than the album when you hear these live. Here's a clip of this is the Dave, the first solo. We were wondering, we guessed the first one was Dave, but we weren't sure. And then the mm-hmm. second one was Adrian. We knew the second one was Adrian, but seeing it live yeah. now, we know it was Dave. But like Dave's, Dave Murray's solo uh, live is way better than the album. It's just cool. I like that he like improvises a bit and he kind of sticks to it, but he's like, you know, every time he plays it, he just kind of improvises a bit and kind of goes off. And I love that about Dave. He just kind of like, you know, he sometimes, I know we've said it on the podcast before. He has like, he knows where he's going and where he's going to start. And then he just kind of changes up how he gets there sometimes, but it's pretty cool. And then the main solo by Adrian, 
this is one of the highlights of the whole concert for me was when he played that solo for this song. He put so much emotion into that solo. I love it, man. It's yeah, yeah. I, I I just whenever I see that because like this is a this is an Adrian song, isn't it? He wrote this. It's and Smith like, Dickinson, yeah. Yeah. So like to me in my mind, he writes this song, and then he's like he's like so he writes this song, and then he goes up to Dave. He's like, hey, Dave, you gonna be great? And like like do a twenty minute wild or twenty second wild lead in, and then and then he's got this epic solo for 40, 40 yeah. seconds, and he's like, hey, Yannick, now you wind it out, right? And then <laughs> and then Bruce is Bruce is like, uh, hmm, writing of the wall should be writing on the wall, and he's like, great great change, give him a writing credit. You know what I mean? It's like that that's the way in my mind that kind of happened. We're like Adrian had it all planned out to have this perfect solo. It's just the way it's set up and the way it plays. Look. I would say this about seeing it live and about these three solos. I'd say that they're they're awesome. They they feature so well live. My only apprehension is that there's so much more of Sinjitsu that I also want to see, and I don't know if that's where I would make this album crescendo on a tour. And of course, we covered all that in the set list stuff. That's but, true. Yeah, but uh, I also think seeing this live, when Adrian comes out and plays that intro on the acoustic guitar, mm. like what's more badass than Adrian Smith with his electric guitar slung over his back and he's walks up to the acoustic guitar and starts playing it's so cool and one thing that if you listen to some of the tour bootlegs from this tour so one thing that he's doing a tiny bit is well when he plays the acoustic intro here's a clip So he's he's improvising a little bit, but not really. He's just kind of like he's playing that intro. He's playing a few more notes and kind of like messing around with the riff a bit. Here's another example. So he's just kind of improvising a little a little bit. I would love it if, like, you know, put a spotlight on Adrian and let him mess yeah. around with that riff and that, you know what I mean? Those little hammer-on, pull-off things that he's doing with the pick. Like, let him do a little acoustic thing for me. Maybe even, like, not too long. 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. You know what I yeah. mean? Just to kind of tease the audience with it a little bit. 
You know what I mean? I think that'd be cool because I love the I love his style when he plays like that, and I would love to hear him like stretch that intro out just a little bit. Except he probably wouldn't be able to do it without Bruce Dickinson like talking over it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, or cracking in jokes. Yeah, you gotta love concert Bruce, <laughs> but I mean he's also trying to fill the void as much as you'd love to have like a, a forty second. There'd be a lot of people just stood there. Not like, forty, but just on? like a little bit of a just stretch it out a bit and just. I don't know, because I really like the sound of that. And it's something on the album that I just goes kind of like, okay, here's the intro. Now get on with the song. Yeah. But when you hear love- it live, I'm like, oh, this is actually really cool. It's a really cool riff. I love how you show up and the new maid, and you're like, we'd love to hear a variance on this brand new maid. And meanwhile, <laughs> most people are there like, uh, when are they going to play Run to the Hills or Trooper? Like, you know, like, you're, you're know. like, oh, that. I really I really wish they'd change that acoustic intro. <laughs> God. I'm like, I like it the way it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Fair writing enough. on the wall, yeah, like where we did an episode on this all by itself a mm. year ago. Um, you know, I just thought it would be a good idea if we touched on it now that we've seen it live and like lived with it, lived with the song for like a year and a half. Um, I, I would say one thing we mentioned about the, uh, about the previous, uh, songs, especially Stratego is like, this is another one. One thing I would add is like in the right mindset, um, you know, I say, I feel this in waves. Some of that also might be due to this, the sound again, like there are times there are times where if I crank it up or if I'm listening to it on vinyl where I enjoy it more. So it might be that mix or it might just be that I like this type of track loud. But um, yeah, I've noticed that about it. Yeah. Well, I remember when it first came out, people were complaining about Bruce in the mix. And then when the CD and the vinyl came out, it was a bit better. But I don't know. I got to say, though, I, I love this track. I think it's uh, yep. I think it's it held fantastic. Up. It held up. Yeah. And still one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, it's up there for me. Even I though mean, it, I did make myself completely sick of it there for a while and kind of skipped it all the time. But now, listening yeah. back this far into having lived with the album, I do really love Writing on the Wall. It's awesome. Yeah, I put I put it somewhere in the middle for me, Yeah, but that's only because I, I, I regard this album so highly. I mean, I wouldn't put it in my top three or four, maybe. But I wouldn't put it in my top three or four of this album, either. Yeah, But, I mean, so it's, I they're all it... stacked pretty close when you at the top. You know what I mean? Like... Hmm. they're all pretty good you're in the middle of the pack with me (laughs) so next track lost in a lost world so this is a solo steve harris composition nine minutes and 31 seconds which is pretty epic and it's funny because the last three songs on this album are all harris solo penned epics and they're like 10 minutes 20 seconds 12 minutes 39 11 minutes 19 this one is very much a epic too, but I think it kind of gets lost because everyone just thinks of those last three long tracks. But this one's buried in there at like track number four. But this is very much an epic, just like those last three. It's Definitely far, is, yeah. But it's very much a slow burn, yeah. And which is which is epically, which is the good thing about it is it's well placed, yeah. And I w- I wouldn't want this mixed amongst those at the back end of the album. So no, because those last three ones have a similar yeah. flow to them, and they do work together. But this is the perfect place for this on the album. But it, I just think it's funny that it's like, it, it, and this is one where it doesn't seem like nine and a half minutes. No, it doesn't. Well, it starts really slow. It does. But then it really gets going. Yeah. And then, so, you know, nine minutes, I agree with you, feels more like a, a six or seven yeah, I would minute say like burn. Yeah, six but, and a half but, or something. The beginning does once kind it gets of going, it, it yeah. flies. 
Because this is one of my favorite songs on the album. It's up there. It has this like X Factor heaviness. And you know how much I love the X Factor and that darkness to it. I do. I would love to see a graph of people's opinion on this song, like graphed against their opinion on the X Factor and see how it lines up. Because there's a very X Factor vibe I'm getting from this song, which is a, you know, it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. But it's a very unique song, I think, on the album. It it is definitely really unique. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of interesting lyrics which we'll get into after, but I for me it's such a slow grower and then as soon as it kinda cuts in, there's a whole vocally thing. I kinda get a little bit there's an aspect of this that distracts me, and that's why I'm very much interested to hear you break this down, because there's some aspects to especially how Bruce is singing that I just I, I don't know, it kinda stands out to me now and I'm waiting for you you to explain to me what's going on. Very unique sound. You probably noticed the intro to this. It's very yeah. uh, a unique vocal thing for an Iron Maiden song. Well, the intro is, I think it's kind of unlike anything that we've heard from Maiden before. So here is the intro to the song. And uh, yeah, there's a cool vocal effect on the, vo- on the vocals. All is not, it seems to be on the outside. Sometimes what it to be is a show, 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 show. So there's a, I don't know, it's kind of like got this dreamy kind of echo effect. It's got this, it, you know, it's, I don't know if it's a chorus or a phaser or some kind of effect on the vocals. It has like a planet caravan. I don't know if you know that song. It's a Sabbath song that has like yeah. vocals like that. So it's got a weird effect yeah. on the vocals. And uh, according to Bruce, that was 100% Steve Harris's idea to put that effect on the vocals. Yeah, so are they are, are they layering the vocals, or are they actually just like, you know, manipulating it after? Yeah, there's an effect on the vocals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like it. I definitely like it. But as as, as it ramps up, cause that, that's the, the, you really notice it on the intro, but they, they keep the vocal, you know, effects going through the song. And it, I, there's, there's parts about it which... It stands out to me. It's like in the previous uh, examples where you were talking about the uh, keyboard. Now I'm hearing it all the time. This this is just something that right from the beginning I was like, what's going on with the vocals? Now I like the effects, yeah. but it just stands out to me. Well, it's kind of cool on the uh, that they use it in the intro. I think it could like overstate its welcome if it was on the full song. Yeah, you know, it'd be a bit much. Um, I do like the intro. I think the intro is very cool, and I do like the the background vocals and. The effect on the on the vocals, I don't know, it gives it a different feel. It's kind of cool, and it's such a contrast when this, like, heavy riff kicks in. So it comes in kind of abruptly, but I kind of like that. I like that it comes in. And that, so Yannick has no writing credits on this song. That riff sounds so Yannick to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely does. I don't know why. Just, it sounds like his style, like the beginning of like Lord of the Flies or something. Yeah, and this this is a Harris song you mentioned. Yeah. There's no no Yannick writing on it at all. Eh? And there's no Yannick solo, which we'll talk, talk about later. But yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, it sounds, it's. It's a pretty cool, like, it's a cool riff. I like it. 
You know what I mean? And and yeah, but... people think it's kind of jarring the way it kicks in, but I mean, that intro is so, like I said before, like dreamy and spacey sounding, and then mm. boom, this riff comes in. I, I like the contrast. I th- like to me, I like the way that that riff comes in. And then when Bruce sings over it with those vocals. So, do you think he sounds strained on this song when he's singing those? Because he sounds like he's straining uh, a bit to hit, like, or his vocals sound a little different. I don't know. Yeah, you could interpret it that way, but I can't, I find it so hard through the effects. Like, again, I can hear that, you know, that... Yeah, there's some, like, reverb on there. Yeah, but it's almost like it's lengthening it more so than, than, than patching it, like, if that what? makes sense. Uh, to me, I don't. I, I feel like it's just it's where he is in in his in his the octave there. It's just it doesn't sound to me like he's straining. That's the way I read it. I'm just like, why did they do that? It was like he was at a at a pitch where there wasn't enough underneath. So rather than you know later with with a bass line or something like they just they just went with I don't know an echo. It almost I I I thought personally it was layered. That's the way I felt. Yeah, well, it, it could be that they comped a couple of vocals yeah. together but like his vocals sound a little strained to me but i think it works it sounds it's mm. a cool effect and it works in the song um it's funny that you said about like layering something underneath it because yeah. the melody that comes after this which is like the melody that's in the outro later is another one of those examples where yannick is playing along with the vocals um i assume yeah. it's yannick um just sound the, the sound of like the attack of like the pick on the string sounds like yannick's style um, and that's one of my favorite parts of this song. This is a good example. Yannick really drives home the melody when he doubles the vocals on his guitar. And a lot of people complain about it. But I don't think that this part would be as impactful without Yannick playing it. If it is Yannick, which I think it is. Without Yannick playing this in like unison with Bruce. That's like the that lead is... up then like it's awesome i don't know like i really love that part that pre i guess they call it a pre-chorus or whatever it is but like i love it and i love that yannick's playing along with it this is one of the parts where i think it would be half as good if you took yannick's play along out of it yeah i would actually say that that adds a real good pace to the build up that's fantastic it's actually even better than the chorus that hits there it's just so good i i completely agree with you a lot of people have these mixed views anytime they just want well and i've argued the opposite in various songs where i just like i just want to hear bruce just go but uh in that situation absolutely i love that and that that flow there is really good it's probably one of my favorite parts of the song yeah i i love that part too and like it's i guess it is the pre-chorus because right after it is the the chorus comes in and it's such a contrast to the rest of the song, but it's kind of cool that they have that intro. Then that heavy riff comes in, which is a contrast. 
And it's like that, dun, 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 dun. it's very percussive sounding, the riff. And then when they hit the chorus, it's more like sparse sounding. And it's got this like super catchy hook to it. I don't know, like the chorus just like soars over like, like you said, it kind of builds this tension with this like vocal line leading up to it. And then when the chorus comes in, I mean, I, I love this chorus. Bruce's voice sounds great. That's a super catchy hook. Mm. I know it's very simple. It's just like a a rising and then descending vocal line. But I mean, coming out of the, like like I said, that really percussive instrumental part and the lead up to it, when they hit with that, like if they play this live, this would be insane. Yeah, I got a different take on the chorus. Okay, what do you think? <laughs> I just, I don't, I find, like where you talked about his, his voice being strained, I didn't think of it that way, but I just think of like, it just feels like it just it kills momentum in the song. I just feel like th- that is the part of the song I don't like that much. It's just like every time I hear that chorus, it just kind of kills my momentum in the song. I feel like the way the effects on his vocals are off. Yeah. And it's like it the is a complex. Drumming kind of goes into like a halftime too, yeah. To- totally. And it's just kind of and it's just it just sh- slows it right down in my mind at a time where they build it up. So this is an example of a song where I would you could step back, and I'm not a musician. I'm a, I'm a layman. I'm a fan. I just listen. Um, but you know, darkest hour in a lot of ways don't. It doesn't have this complexity, but the the actual chorus just takes it to that next level. Whereas here, I find it leaves me wanting. So you know, and I I do like the lyric, but it's just I don't know. There's just something about it. Every time it hits, it's just like dun dun dun, and it's just like yeah. This is very simple. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah, so it's it's you know it to me it it lets down the song. I'm not not knocking the song. I, lo- I love the song. It just there's a part there where I'm just like, oh, if they just cranked it to the next level, it would be it would be better. Yeah, but I mean, I know what you mean because like the the vo- the melody of it is like this. It rises like lost in a lost world, and then did it did it did it. But I mean, no one complains yeah. about run to the hills. And run to the hills is just like run to the hills. Run for your life. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, I know. It's a very simple melody, almost similar to Run to the Hills, which is we'll get into except, that later about this song. Except <laughs> it goes to and leads in. It's a good analogy. It leads in and then Run to the Hills is just hit at such a crazy volume, right? Yeah. Whereas this one it's just it's a lost in a lost world with a reverb and the or whatever's going on with the vocal. It's just like it I don't know. For me, I'm not I'm not saying it's a fail, but I'm saying it didn't hit the bullseye. <laughs> For yeah, me. I like it. I, I don't know. After yeah. this, it goes into an instrumental part, which is, I know what you mean, like you're coming out of that chorus in Run to the yep. Hills, it goes right back into like this intensity. And this is kind of yep. a little bit more laid back. And this is very, this is the part of the song that like to me just screams X Factor, Blaze era, Maiden.
I absolutely love this part of the song, which figures yeah. because I love I, all those X Factor, you know, kind of that, especially that. You know what I mean? It's very like yeah, that era of Maiden returns. You've changed my you've you've changed my perspective on this song since we started in Sinjitsu in two ways. First off, you're right. You, you know the Yannicky flow, and then that that X Factor era kind of kind of puts you in that mindset. And then, but the second thing is, is the keyboards. Like I can't unhear them everywhere now. Oh yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's so overwhelming. And like you know, for me, it's it's the cowbell. You know, it's like once you point it out. Not that it doesn't add to the song, but it's everywhere on this track. Oh, the keyboards. Yeah, I know they they yeah. kind of overdid it with the keyboards, and we we talked about that before. And yeah, it's one of those things that like once you, yeah, like you said, once you notice it, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in the mix so yeah which is another yeah but this i feel like this whole this whole uh album as we go through these episodes we're just talking about the mix over and over when i specifically said that the mix doesn't bother me when we first started and i didn't understand why everyone's making such a big deal out of it (laughs) (laughs) and i remember talking about it but you know it's as as the more i analyze this song i look at it it's it's like it's place and i will get to the lyrics at the end but it's place in the album and as you're taking it through there, not 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 to not to interrupt was we're leading into the solos. But as I listen to this, this song is 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 an epic, but it's also a transition or transition song in the album. You know, it's like it's leading us towards. It's kind of I almost feel like it's like storytelling, leading us towards these this epic, you know, back disc. But we're not even there yet. And um, I, I I just find this track, it's not a banger for me. It's more of like a it's winding you along and it's providing a lot of awesome, you know, uh, uh, hooks and, and there's some ups there and then I'm going to talk about, I love the, the solos coming, but it's just, it's so transitionary to me. Do you know what I mean? I know it's what like, you mean. It's not a moment where I'm yeah. cranking out in the song, it's, 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 but it's it, an epic yeah. that's made of multiple sections pieced together exactly. that transition into each other. Whereas the last three songs on the album are like, they just flow as this one long kind of epic song. Totally. Where this is more of like, there's this part, and then there's this part, and then there's this part, and then we go back to this part. So, I know what you mean. I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's funny, because I say this is like an X-Factor vibe, that that part of the song that we are just listening to gives me, which yeah. it totally does. Um, it also sounds just like Where the Wild Wind Blows. So, it's only a, a very small part, um, but I made a... A, a clip where I compared this song to Where the Wild Wind Blows, the two riffs. So they are similar, um, but they are, you know, they're not exactly the same. And it's a very small part of the song. Um, you know, I wouldn't say you, you were going to get into that as we go into future songs, but there's a lot of yeah. people saying like maidens ripping off themselves with their own. You know what I mean? Like there's these callbacks to albums where they kind of have things that sound like things that happened on previous albums. I don't think yeah. it's that big of a deal. It, but there's like a little instrumental part, but it's almost—it's not so much—it's the riff, but also like the 
the rhythm underneath it that kind of calls back to that song. But it's both very small. It's a very small part in Where the Wild Wind Blows and a small yeah. part in this song. But it doesn't bother me at the all. The Eternal. I just wanted to note the that eternal similarity. There is. There's the eternal debate. This is too much like Old Maiden. This is not enough like Old Maiden. You know, it's like, it's always like, this isn't enough like Old Maiden. We need to, we need to change it. I, when you said that where the wild wind blows, I thought you were going to say like, uh, lost in the lost world, buried on sacred ground. Then the background's going to be like, not even on the news, not even on the TV. <laughs> there was going to be a lyric. For some reason, I was like, they don't mention Can the TV. You see it on the TV. And on the TV. that lyric. <laughs> oh my God. Did we ever get ripped for that? I know. <laughs> You know, and so many people write in and still to this day are trying to give, uh, look. It's funny. I did a 180 on that song, moments. man. When we did, yeah. when we did the final frontier, I was like, this is like, I did not think that song was that great. And then I listened to the live version a bunch of times and man, that turned me right around. I love that song now. Yeah. That's one of the, There's that's something... probably the song that I changed my tune on the most since we started the podcast. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't really thought about this, but. So I I always like I like to you know how Maiden has this cheese element right yeah like Maiden can talk about things that are so cheesy it's like yeah. when they talk about the the devil you know it's not devil worshiping yeah. like this is all fun and so there's there's cheese and then there's as cheese gets stinkier and stinkier and stinkier <laughs> it can be funnier and better and better tasting yeah. and then there's a point at which it's just not good and it's so like the TV one for me is like that you know it's like uh you know so. I don't know. There's that moment. I just can't come back from that. It's funny, though, because like, <laughs> I got one of... that lyric about, like, did you yeah. see it on the TV bothered you so much. Yeah. But if they had a song where someone said, did you read it on the ancient scrolls, you'd be all in. That's what's so weird. <laughs> I'd be all in. <laughs> but that's the point. That's the point. Yeah. Well, like, the you cheesiness know? of a lot of this Maiden stuff is, like, mm. part of the appeal and part of what makes Maiden Maiden is, like, this is an epic battle yeah. and this is about, like, a good and evil. and You know what I mean? Like... The topics yeah. they take on, or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I could see, I could see the the news lines t- tomorrow. Extra, extra Iron Maiden podcasters takes not not logical. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it's like you follow your gut, right? It's like read all about it. I, he has an inconsistent, incongruous take. You know, it's like that's the point. You know, we, 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 we go by gut feel. I'm sorry when it says, can you see it on TV? It's like, oh. Yeah, I know this somewhere someone is going to go through like all of our episodes and make a compilation of me and you like contradicting ourselves. And it's probably going to be like two hours long. <laughs> oh my God. I'm a walking contradiction. I'm okay with that. I I live, I'm, I'm, I'm Schrodinger's logical cat. <laughs> I'm okay with all of this. I'm, I'm a complete contradiction. It is funny totally when you think that there's like 150 hours of me and you talking about Iron Maiden on the internet right now. I know. <laughs> like there's not, I, I don't know. think I've spoken to anyone for like 150 hours about anything ever in my life. <laughs> yes. Ep- ep- episode one, Josh, uh, Blaze is not Maiden. Episode 150, we should do another Blaze episode. <laughs> you know, that's just me. I'm okay with that. I don't care. I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast. Possibly the best podcast in the world. I'm running out of my time. I'm running out of breath. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, we were coming out of that. We're talking about that that middle instrumental part in this song. That's right. So, I like that. I like when Maiden does these long. This is very modern Maiden too. To have like a, it's not a guitar solo. It's just a good an instrumental passage. 
that like repeats a riff over and over and kind of like develops on it a little bit like maybe they change the bass under it or you know what i mean like that's a vital part of maiden in the last few episodes or last few albums like even like in reunion era maiden they do this all the time and i'm pre there even going back to the blaze era and like you know i don't know exactly where this started but it's a very modern maiden thing to have an instrumental passage like this absolutely absolutely i mean this could this could be on Final Frontier. I mean, this could be, you know, it, it was readjusted, yeah, but it could fit I agree. on Book this of could Souls. Be on a Final I mean, it's Frontier very modern. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that leads into uh, the first solo, which I think is Dave Murray. Uh, it's super smooth. There's these super smooth runs and just the tone. Uh, very Dave Murray, you know, starts with this like slide on the fretboard. And then he hands off to Adrian. And Adrian, he hits the wah pedal in. Like it's, I'm, I'm positive Adrian does the second part. I think it's Dave on the first solo, um, but I think these are great solos. So there's some licks in there that are very Adrian. I'm positive. So I hate to do this, but yeah, you know how I pointed out the uh, the keyboards, and you're like, "That's all you can hear now." Yes. There's yes. something weird about this solo. It's almost like at the very end, there's this like bum note that comes in, and it's all I can hear every time I hear this song now. And I don't mean I'm sorry, everyone listening to this podcast, but <laughs> did you ever notice this before? Just listen to the end of the solo. like this little honk at the end and i'm like yeah did they not edit that out yes did you ever notice that before yes i've noticed it it's also like there's this weird pause after it but it's to me it's just a transit i would say this i don't really that doesn't really catch me negatively but i love nico's transition between the two solos like the way he flows between the two is actually awesome yeah and it, that that part I loved, and I love these two solos. That that end part, oh, yeah. it's gonna stick out more now. There is a funny, <laughs> it's a funny transition to the end, but also like it's so hilarious because we're talking about the writing on the wall earlier. It's like you know five six minute song. There's like what a forty second, thirty twenty second solo, something like this. You know, Adrian writes a song. You know, it's, it's like a minute and a half of solos. Right, this is a nine plus minute track. Right. <laughs> you got like two quick solos. That's it. Like they're 20 minutes, 20 seconds each. Yeah. But you have right? those it's long like, <laughs> instrumental like yeah. parts that are played on the guitar, which I think is kind of cool. You do, but yeah. Harris kind of puts him in there yeah. and he's doing this whole transition thing. Right. And I'm not knocking him, but yeah. it's so funny. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, uh, Adrian's like, here's a song. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like, <laughs> and, but uh, Steve Harris writes these songs 
And it's like, we go to here, yeah. and then we do this for eight bars, and we do this for eight bars, we do this for eight bars. Here's four bars for Adrian Solo, and here's, like, two bars for Dave. <laughs> and then yeah. we go into this, and we go into this. It's, you know what I mean? Like, I think he has it very planned out when he comes in. So. Yeah. I, and, wait, hey, look, which is good by them, too. I mean, he, you know, he's incentivizing them to write their own tracks to bring in stuff. And also, it says a lot that when they write their own tracks, they want to showcase their angle of it. Yeah. I like it. I like it, too. Yeah. But uh, this, uh, you know, I said... I said a lot about, you know, the keyboards, the slow intro, and the vocals, and some of the chorus stuff not jiving with me. I love, I, I like this song a lot. I wouldn't say I love it. It's not one of my top three or four on this album, but it's a really good song. I like it. Yeah. Like, this is not a, a takedown. But the solos for me are great. I love the transition in the middle. <laughs> that end note wasn't paying as much attention. I'm sure that's all I'll hear now. Uh, the solos, plus, you know, the overall pace of the song as it picks up, and then just the lyrics for me it makes yeah. it and when it comes out yeah. at the end like that pre-chorus that we were raving about earlier turns into mm. an outro and this is one of the best bruce parts on the album like i think one of his best like vocals parts and again the guitar line echoes it underneath but it's very different this time the way it echoes it um it doesn't echo it i mean it compliment plays it at the same time um this I absolutely love, love this part of the song. Will we ever heal our old wounds like forever darkness war? Fighting for their lives again, so come on now, don't be afraid. This is where destiny lies, just to let us breathe again. But upon this earth to wander and to walk forever lost. I love that outro. Um, Me too. I think it's awesome. And it just like wraps up the whole song. And the way it ties back to that pre-course is so cool. Like this might be a top, it's definitely top five on the album for me. Maybe top four. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Top three. I don't know about that. One of my favorites on the album. Top three. One of my favorites on the album though. Um, it's, It's like something that you said earlier, which is, how like Maiden can't win because when they sound too much like Maiden, people are like they're rehashing blah blah blah. This is yeah. a good example of Maiden sounding like Maiden. It's a good blend of like unique and classic Maiden sounds. So it's like kind of that like the intro and some of the stuff on here is kind of like I said it had like an X Factor vibe, but I guess it's just kind of like a I don't know what kind of vibe it is. It's it's modern Maiden mixed with classic Maiden mixed with something completely new. And I think it's a really good example of Maiden kind of like 
it's the opposite of the new Metallica album where they're just kind of going through the motions. This is them actually <laughs> trying something and doing something, taking a few chances. And I mean, to me, I think this they took chances on the song. And to me, I think the chances really worked. And I, I love the song. I think this is one of the best songs yeah. on the album. It it's a it's a hit. Um, there there are aspects about it. I, the, literally, the Bruce kind of you know singing it out is fantastic. I'd love to see what we do. He would do with that live. Um, I think it's it's awesome. My favorite part of this track, which we haven't covered yet, is just some of the lyrics. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Do you mind if I go through? No, a few? go th- go for it. I had a few lyrics here picked out yeah. too, but you'll uh, I'm sure. You'll get into well, them. I I feel like I feel like there's some really great throwbacks here. Yeah, like, like they just seem to, to be me, using very, very. Yeah, this seems Go like ahead. almost Run to the Hills, the aftermath. You know yes. what I mean? It's like the aftermath of Run to the Hills, part two, like the next generation's Run to the Hills of the people from Run. To the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I, I you know, it's funny you say that because I love that the buffalo roams on the plains. Yeah, right. On the plane, we walk into the flame, but dance her rain. The hallowed, de- the the hallowed dead in sacred ground, and the elders, as we wash away their sins from them. Um, but the uh, I love the, the eagles reference, right? We walk to the flames, dance for rain, feel the spirits, the flames of innocence, holy ground. You know, it just seems to me like it. It feels like they've really ripped out a lot of great maiden references and just tied them in there. You know, I love it. It's just, I don't know. There's something about this song. When I read through it, I'm just like, you know, so many references worship children. You know, it's 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 like they kind of huddled together a song with so many common yeah. themes. And it's funny because we don't usually dig too deep into like lyrics that much. Well, we do sometimes, but um, this one, the lyrics are actually worth like, if you like the song, it's worth looking up the lyrics and reading through them, like. The nowhere to go, nowhere to run, our whole nation overrun. You know what I mean? It, that's what I mean. It's kind of like a it's self-existence under threat, and soon will be none of us left. It's it, it, yeah. it reminds me of like Run to the Hills, not Part Two. It's like Run to the Hills was the grandfather of the sun, or something. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. The, the hallowed dead i read it the hallowed oh dead. yes <laughs> the hallowed uh, dead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's so many great references but i mean it doesn't feel like it can't be no pulled together no the lyrics on this like one it. are great i think uh yeah no and, and not only that as the clouds i'll drift away now until we meet again like you know that's the that cool ending back yeah. To Book of Souls. yeah i i don't know to me I, for something about this last and last world it feels like very reflexive on Maiden. It's a transition song in the album. You know, Writing on the Wall is more or less the single that came out. It's the one that they played. Uh, it's the crescendo in the tour there. It's the first three. And then they play this. It's got so many lyrics to tie back. It's it's kind of a... It's a new take on a, on a Maiden classic. It's yeah. a slow grower. And then it just, from here on, you know, it just leads into, like what could be essentially like a whole second phase of this album. Like it's, it's, it changes. So that's the way I view it. It's just like a yeah, transition. It's like closes the first chapter of the album. <laughs> yes. And then you're into like Absolutely. days of future past time machine, darkest hour, and then into those three epics. So, but I mean, yeah. I don't know. I love the song. I think it's great. I really, really doubt that this will have 
any appearance live by Maiden ever. I think this no. is just an album track, but it you know it would be amazing to see this live, but I know it wouldn't happen. I I would yeah say there's almost zero chance of them playing this live. I'd be shocked. I don't know if I'd want I don't know if I'd want to blow uh, nine minutes on it. Yeah, it's the same thing I said about Alexander the Great. It's a it's a good song on the album and great guitars and stuff like that. But like to chew up ten minutes of set list on the song, uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want that. You know, I got I've got like my kind of ranking pretty loose in my mind for this album. But as we're going through it, it's changing slightly. So I, I have to be careful to say, oh, top three, top four, top six, because they're 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 kind of, you know, they're pivoting around, right? Yeah. Like I don't know who I'm gonna give, I don't know who I'm gonna give the rose to. You know? <laughs> it's like uh, I'm I've been I've been I've been hanging out with these these uh, ladies for several several months now, but Nesbitt's like, did you know that she can cook? <laughs> she she bakes cookies. I'm like, hmm, maybe she's rose worthy. Like, who is the best song? Out of the twelve, you know. When we're done talking about all these, we'll kind of wrap it up and we'll try to pick our uh, our favorites off the album, and then we'll try to see where we put this album in the in the discography of Maiden after we're done all these songs. Yeah, because I kind of know where I'm going to put it right now, but I don't want to say. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I know where too. What I mean (laughs) is it one or two, Nesbit? It's not at the top. Yeah, it's it's not at the bottom. It's not. Yeah. Spoiler alert! <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of feel the same way, but you got to be watching because when you sometimes you can dig into a moment in a song and you know you you can use a strong adjective or something, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, they really don't like that song. But yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, we've had that happen with stuff we've talked about where like so I criticize like one part of a song or say something bad, and then everyone's like, oh, you hate this song, and I'm like, I never said that I hate this song, I and I listen back to the and I'm like. I know. All I said was, I don't know, maybe there's like a cheesy lyric that I don't like or something like that. So that song's three and four. Um, yes. God, we're not even halfway through the album yet. This is a, this no. a long double album. so We're moving along quick enough, right? Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so next episode, we're going to dig into Days of Future Past, the title track of the new tour, so... I'm excited Ooh, to get into that one because I really like that's a sleeper that kind of grew on me and ended up also being one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, you know, yeah, takeaway, great album. I mean, there's lots of good stuff in here, so we're going to break it down. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like we're going to differ on a few of these big ones coming up. You think? I think so. I know there's I know there's one there that you're going to love that I'm going to be like, me. <laughs> Well, we'll find I out. think we both know which song that's going to be, but we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So yeah, we got we got a few more episodes to break this down. Yep. Keep going. How'd you find the beer? Oh, it was good. Liquid sunshine. It went down uh, nice and smooth. It was good. That was really good. I gotta say, it was fantastic. Liquid sunshine. Any questions? Any comments? Fire them in. Go to talkmain.com. Get us the contact form. You can send us an email through that. talkmain.com slash talk. If you want to leave us a message and you can get us on Facebook, just search Talking Maiden. Until next time, up the irons, down the hops. Mm-hmm.